Well, happy Reformation Sunday. How many of you knew that it was Reformation Sunday? Okay. Um, Reformation Sunday is the Sunday before Reformation Day. How many of you know what Reformation Day is? And there were fewer hands. Okay. We're getting the numbers down here. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Uh, Reformation Day is uh, celebrated actually on October 31st. And of course, so Reformation Sunday is the Sunday just prior to October the 31st. Uh, on October the 31st, in 1517, something very significant happened. We need to realize that, that at that time, the, the church was, in the minds of almost everybody and worldwide, was pretty much identified with Roman Catholicism. And uh, that changed on what we now know as Reformation Day. And Reformation Day is on October the 31st. <clears throat> Uh, something happened on October 31st that year because on November the 1st was a special celebration day for the church, and it still is in many churches across the world, mainly Roman Catholic churches, but not only them. <clears throat> and that was a day that was known as All Saints Day. Uh, it was a day in which the church honored all the great saints of the past, whether they were known to us or not known. They had special days through the year that honored special ones of the saints. But this was a day in which the church honored all of the saints in the history of the church. Well, <clears throat> things were not going well in the church at that time. And a Roman Catholic priest, a monk named Martin Luther, was greatly troubled by the condition of the church some of the teaching of the church, but much more the practice of the church. <clears throat> and so the evening of, that's the eve before, like Christmas Eve is the evening before Christmas Day, on the eve of All Saints Day, Martin Luther posted 95 theses, 95 points that he wanted the church to discuss. He wanted the, the church to discuss to get these issues dealt with. Now, <clears throat> Luther was a loyal son of the Roman Catholic Church. He understood himself to be a Roman Catholic. He was calling for change within his church, and he wanted these issues debated. Now, you know, probably as, as, as well as I do, that it ended up being a whole lot more than that. <laughs> The church was not only discussing these and some changes made, but almost what we would call a, a, a revolution took place, okay, that we know now as the Protestant Reformation. It's out of the Protestant Reformation that all the denominations that you really know something about have come from. That would be Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Anglicans, Assemblies of God. We could go on and on. Those came out of and resulted from basically what Martin Luther got started when he nailed that 95 theses on the door of the church at Wittenberg in Germany 
for the church to discuss these issues and get things right. Now, folks, Protestants agree with Roman Catholics on many, many things. Okay? All three branches, main branches of the church, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and Protestantism, uh, all agree with those early church councils like Nicaea and Chalcedon, in which uh, the, the basic understanding of the Trinity is worked out, that God is one God in, in three persons. We're in agreement on that. With the, the statement that Jesus is fully God and fully man completely. Okay? We agree on that completely. If you recite the Apostles' Creed, a Roman Catholic could stand right beside you and quote that with you and agree with every word of it. Okay? There are places of substantial difference between Protestants and uh, Roman Catholics. And in the Reformation, actually, <clears throat> the Reformation is known for what we call the five solas. Sola is a Latin word for only. <laughs> only. And there are five of these. One is the Protestants have stood for sola scriptura. <laughs> only the scriptures can be the final authority for our belief and practice. Sola Fide, salvation is by faith alone apart from works. Sola gratia, salvation is by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. Solo Christos, sola Christo, Christ alone, Christ alone is the Savior. And sola Deo Gloria, and that is all glory goes to God alone. And the Reformation stood strongly on those principles. Today, I am going to address one of those. And of course, all of these are very important to Protestants and certainly therefore to Baptists. And we will look at justification by faith alone. Sola fide. Faith alone, Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was now, and the it is the offering up of Christ, was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Christ. Sola fide. Okay. People are justified by faith alone. These verses that I have just read 
The great New Testament scholar Leon Morris said, this, this may be the most important paragraph that was ever written. Okay? Of course, we believe the Bible is the most important book that's ever written. And he's saying this may well be the most important passage that has ever been written. Nowhere else in the Bible do you see all brought into one paragraph the righteousness of God. Justification, faith, sin, redemption, grace, propitiation, forgiveness. All of that is brought together in that one paragraph. And so the outline that I'm going to look at is going to be very simple. Justification by faith alone. First of all, the nature of justification. Secondly, we're going to look at the instrument of justification. That's faith. And then we're going to look at the exclusive instrument of, of justification. And that is faith alone. Nothing other than faith. Justification, the nature of justification. Folks, up until the time of the Reformation, the church had not made an official statement about the nature of justification. Now, it had on those, some of those issues about who Jesus is, the Trinity, you know, many other stuff, but they never had had an official statement about what justification actually means. Martin Luther, who again was a, Luther, uh, a, a, a monk, okay, a professor of theology at the University of Wittenberg, okay, uh, well trained, his professor of theology had told him, and this was not out of the ordinary to be told, that God justifies those people who help themselves. You do as much as you can and show that you mean business, and don't worry, God will come along and take care of the rest. Well, this left uh, Luther himself's mind and heart is just an emotional battlefield. When have I done enough? How much do you have to do before God uh, takes over? I haven't loved God like I'm supposed to. You know, I, I, I do sin, I do fail, I, I, I do fall short. And, and Luther was tormented over this for years and years until he ran across that great truth in the scriptures that we're looking at right now. And that is that justification is not by how well you can do and then God makes up for it. It's justification by faith alone. Justification by faith alone. Let me define justification for you. What do we mean when we talk about justification? Justification is a legal act of God. It has to do, legal means it has to do with laws. It is a legal justification of God in which he declares believing sinners to be righteous. He declares, it's a declaration, a legal declaration in which he declares believing sinners to be righteous because he forgives their sins in Christ and he counts Christ's righteousness as being their righteousness. That's what justification is. Now folks, our salvation has a lot of components to it. That's one of them, okay? Uh, our, our salvation includes redemption. Reconciliation, propitiation, adoption, all of those things are, are part of our salvation. But it's important to note that in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, 
Paul uses only one of those to make his point, and it's justification. He says in Romans 8.30, he explicitly mentions out of all the different facets of our salvation, justification, those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he's going to glorify. Folks, mankind's greatest need is to be righteous before a holy God. That is the greatest need that human beings have. Let's make no mistake, there's a lot of needs that human beings have. And we are not minimizing any of those needs that people have. People have very serious concerns. But there is no greater need that a person has than to be considered righteous before a God who is holy and demands righteousness of people. Now, mankind, that's the greatest need. Now, fortunately for us, and I'm going to say that several times this morning, fortunately for us, there's the first time. Fortunately for us, you know, that, that's our greatest need. Fortunately for us, verse 21 says, there is a righteousness that comes from God to us. It's not one that we're going to have, but it's, gonna, it's God to the rescue. Okay, Folks, the, the, the verse here also says the Old Testament, the prophets and the law talked about this. When God came with this notion of people that got right with him, it was only going to be by faith. What Paul's telling us there is it was that way in the Old Testament too. You know, Abraham was justified by faith. It's not that people were saved by being good in the Old Testament, but they're saved by faith to the New Testament. That has always been the way that God saves. Justification by faith is not God's plan B. God never has a plan B. That's because God's plan A never goes wrong. This is the plan that he has had from the very beginning, Paul is telling us here. Verse 21 tells us something else, and this is good news for us. He says, this righteousness comes apart from the law. Martin Luther, along with many people before him and after, fell into the misunderstanding that justification and being declared right with God had something to do with the law, and that's us keeping it pretty well. And Paul says here, that has nothing to do with justification. He says, again, you can look at the scripture yourself, it is apart from the law. And folks, it's a good thing, because if it not been apart from the law, none of us would have ever received it. This is the only way we can have it. We could have never deserved the righteousness that God requires of us. And so he supplied that righteousness for us through Christ. We can never do it, but fortunately for us. Verse 24 says it's by grace. That it's by grace. Uh, Grace grace means God's absolutely and absolutely utterly undeserved favor. Absolutely. In fact, folks, it's worse than undeserved. So what could be worse than undeserved? Ill-deserved. Undeserved just means you didn't do anything. You know, didn't do anything bad, didn't do anything good. I I just didn't do anything to deserve it. 
It's worse than that. We actually did stuff not to deserve it. That's a whole lot worse. <laughs> it's not just we didn't deserve it. It's we actually were sinful and unrighteous and rebellious. It's not that we just didn't deserve it. It's that we were ill-deserving of it. And yet, God's grace comes to us. And so our problem is that we are guilty. We're guilty before the law of God. But fortunately for us, justification is forensic. Forensic has to do with the law courts. It means it has to do with laws. You know, if, uh, if you're wanting a nice family portrait uh, taken of your family as we get close to Christmas, don't call a forensic photographer. That's not what they do, okay? Now, if you find a dead body somewhere, call a forensic photographer, okay? They are photographers that deal with legal issues having to do with the law. When we say justification is a forensic term, we mean it has to do with the law court. It has something to do with law. It is actually being declared, according to the law, not guilty. Justification has no meaning outside of law. Okay? It means a person in law is declared not guilty. Folks, we're going to see in a moment, that means the opposite of condemnation. Okay? A person can stand one of two ways before laws. The person can be condemned, that means guilty before the law. Justified means righteous before the law. Both of them have to do with the law. And the definition that I said is God declaring, making a legal declaration. That's what justification is. A legal declaration that God makes that says that a person is not guilty in relation to the law. Now, if you're a child of God, that's what God has declared. If you have come to him through faith in Christ, God has declared you not guilty. And in that last day, when you have to stand before God... You say, well, then what is it that he did already that he's going to do in that last day? In that last day, when he pronounces you not guilty again, it's going to be a restatement of what he has said before, and it's not going to be different. The declaration in that last day of declaring you not guilty is going to be an echo of the same declaration that he made to you when he came to you, when you came to him in faith, in Christ. It is a legal declaration that we are not guilty. Now, friends, you know, as well as I do, that that's not what Satan's telling you from time to time. Uh, Satan is telling us from time to time, you're guilty. You're guilty of pride. You're guilty of failure to glorify God. You're guilty of bitterness and jealousy and envy. You're, you're guilty of, of um, uh, materialism. Well, it, the devil doesn't look, have to look far to find things to accuse us of. And all those things are actually true of us. But the thing is, God has said, not guilty. Not guilty. That's what God, Satan says and will tell you. And you know what? Sometimes our hearts agree with him. Sometimes he tells us those things and that we listen to him. 
And our hearts listen to the devil tell us we're guilty rather than listening to God, the righteous judge, the only one whose opinion matters. And he says, because he looks at us in our sins, and then he looks at Christ, our substitute, and he sees the righteousness of Christ given to us, and he says, not guilty. That declaration is justification. It is that legal declaration. It's the opposite of condemnation. Condemnation would be you're guilty. Your relation to the law is you are guilty. Justification is your relation to the law is not guilty. Romans 8.33 touches on that. Who should, be, who should we be listening to about this? The devil? Sometimes our own hearts. Listen to what it says, Romans 8, 33. Is who can bring anything to the charge of those whom God has chosen? You say, well, Satan does that all the time. He charges me with stuff. Okay? He says, but wait a minute. It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Folks, if God said not guilty, Paul is saying who else's opinion even matters on the subject? Okay? Once God has spoken, who can condemn? Hey, Christ Jesus died, was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God interceding for us. And he said, you're not guilty. Nobody else's opinion matters, including yours. Okay? You are not guilty. You are justified and declared righteous. Now, folks, notice this about justifying. Uh, the act of justifying is a legal declaration that declares we are not guilty. That means it's an instantaneous thing. It's not a process that we go through. When a judge hears a case in a court and makes an adjudication, it happens in a moment. It's not an ongoing thing. Where you went, when that declaration is made, it is made, it is finished, it is over with, signed, sealed, and delivered. When God says, not guilty on the basis of what God has done for us in Christ, it is an immediate effect. Now, I want you to know something else about this. It's not only instantaneous, it's a righteous act. God is doing something righteous. And here's you, why would you say that? Folks, here's why. This will help us understand it. If you look at Proverbs 7, uh, 17, 15, it says this, something all of us certainly ought to agree on. Okay? Proverbs 17, 15 is talking about judges, people that make adjudications in cases, our judges in our day. He says, he who justifies the wicked, what's justify mean? Declare them not guilty. Anybody who declares wicked people not guilty, you come before a judge and you're wicked and he says not guilty. Whoa. Or a person who condemns a righteous person and says he is guilty, those are both an abomination to God. Listen to that. He who justifies the wicked, okay? he who says the wicked is not guilty, that's an abomination to God. But folks, Romans 4, 5 says that's exactly what God's doing. He's actually justifying the ungodly. He's actually taking ungodly people and declaring them not guilty, the very same thing that he said in Romans, uh, in, in, in Proverbs 17, 15, was an abomination to him. 
How does anybody who is a righteous judge look at unrighteous, guilty people and say they're not guilty? How can God possibly be a just and righteous God if he does that? Well, fortunately for us, he is still righteous, and he explains to us how that is. Actually, the end of verse 25 in chapter 3 that we've read, 325 on into 26, says that God can be righteous in declaring us not guilty for this reason. Because Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show that God's, show God's righteousness. That God is still righteous even though he declares unrighteous people to be righteous people because of what Jesus did. That's why you look at the very end of it. It, it was to show his righteousness. Why did Jesus go to the cross? So that God could declare sinful people to be righteous and he would still be righteous in the process. Because Jesus actually paid the price for those sins. That's why the very end of it, look at it says, so that God might be just, some of your translations may bear prophets, that he can be righteous and a one who declares unrighteous people to be righteous. You know what God did? He declared unrighteous people to be righteous. And he was righteous in doing so because Christ had been offered up in our stead. We are justified by a righteous act of God. Folks, I don't know of anything that can be of more practical significance to us today because justification is answering this question. How can people be right with God? How can they be right with God? Folks, we cannot afford to get that wrong. Okay? That's the most important question a person could ask. How can a sinful person get right with God? They get right with God by God declaring them to be not guilty by their faith in Christ, as we will see. So folks, when our conscience is condemning us, it, it's reminding us of something true, and that's that our sins are really real. <laughs> you know, when your sins are bothering you, remind yourself those sins really are real. <laughs> and they are really inexcusable. God never excused them. He never said they weren't real. But what we need to remind ourselves when those times come, and the devil and our conscience testifies against us, we don't deny that those sins are real. We just say the penalty has been paid in full. I am justified, declared not guilty on the basis of my faith in Christ. And so the second thing that we will look at is that instrument of justification. What is the instrument that is used to get that declaration in which God says we are not guilty? Well, Paul tells us pretty clearly in Romans 3.26, he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. You look at Romans 5.1, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Romans 3.30, since God is one who will justify the circumcised, that's the Jews, and the uncircumcised, that's the Gentiles, both of them, he says, if they're ever justified, it's going to be through faith. 
Romans 1.17, for the, the, in it, the, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the righteous will be made to live by faith. Now let's understand something about faith, folks. It's not a work. It's not that, okay, you failed in making the Ten Commandments. I'll give you a chance to make up for it. Be a good boy, be a good girl, and have faith, and I'll reward you with, with justification. It is not a work that we are doing. If I had the time or the inclination, I would point that out to you. In the Greek New Testament, those little tiny words we call prepositions are very important there. I won't uh, bore you with that, but I'll tell you basically what it comes down to mean. We are, it, the Bible never says we are saved because of our faith. Okay? We are saved through that faith, on account of that faith. Not because we have faith as some kind of work, but faith is the instrument. And, fa- it, it, and it, it means actually, folks, faith in this sense means actually ceasing to do any work. It's, it's, it's resting in what Christ has done and quit working to try to prove myself before God that I'm worthy and just resting in what Christ has done. You know, when when God rested on the seventh day, he wasn't performing some kind of work. He was resting. He was ceasing working. Coming to faith in Christ is ceasing working. It's, It's no longer trying to work to earn our salvation. It's quit working. It's resting in the finished work of Christ. It's not something, it, it, it is, I would say again, it is the instrument of our justification. It's, it's the way we receive it. Now, I'm willing to try this illustration. If some of you want to do it, I'll use it as an illustration. But if one of you were to come to me today and say, I want you to have this $100, You've heard people say, don't try that at home. That's okay. Try it at church if you want to, though. It'd be okay. And I said, man, that's great. And I reach out and take it. And I go home and I tell my wife, I made $100 today. She says, what'd you do? I said, well, I I reached out my hand and took it from somebody. She said, no, but what did you do to to earn it? I said, well, I stuck my hand out. She said, you didn't earn it by sticking it. Your hand was just your instrument for receiving it. What did you do to earn it? Folks, those are two different issues. That time, my wife would actually be right. (laughs) And she usually is. Sticking my hand out and receiving it is the instrument by which I received it. It wasn't a good work that earned the money for me. Faith, resting in Christ, is not a work that we are doing that earns us the right to be justified. It's the means by which we, re- we receive the justification that God is actually giving to us freely. Over and over again, the scripture tells us freely. The value of faith is not found in faith itself. The value of faith is because of the value of the person we put our faith in. My faith in and of itself has no value. It is resting in the one who does have ultimate value. The one who can forgive and the one who can declare us not guilty. Now folks, listen, it doesn't have anything to do, therefore, with works. We're going to see. It's, it's simply by faith. 
Now, that doesn't mean good works doesn't flow from a person who is declared not guilty. Because, see, folks, when God declares us not guilty, he does something else. Okay? When, when, he, when he declares us not guilty, he actually regenerates our heart. That means he changes us. And he puts his Holy Spirit in us. And he gives us a desire to be like him. That desire is not perfected. It's going to be one day, but it's not yet. Okay? And, and therefore, anybody who God justifies, he actually changes their heart. Now, justification is not changing your heart. Justification is a declaration that you're not guilty. Folks, if a judge declares somebody not guilty, they're not a good person all of a sudden. In fact, it doesn't change them in any way except their status before the law. They're not guilty. It doesn't change them internally. It doesn't transform them in any way. When God justifies us, it doesn't transform us in any way. It just says you're not guilty. But that's not the only thing that he does. He places his spirit within us. He changes our heart. And we have a desire to start doing what he would want us to do. Okay? So that means, if you want to call it sanctification, good things are going to come. Uh, James said, uh, faith without works is dead. Because what James was telling us is that if you have the kind of faith that doesn't lead you to do some kind of work, then you don't have the kind of faith that justifies you. <laughs> okay? The kind of faith that justifies is a person that has a faith in Christ that comes to Christ with a full surrender and a heart broken over sin, and then God changes us. I, I love the way John Calvin said this, one of the great reformers. He said, salvation, justification is by faith alone. But the faith that is alone is never alone in itself. The salvation that saves is by faith alone. But the real faith that saves you is never alone. It's going to be accompanied by something. But those works are never going to save you. Now, th this may sound somewhat heretical, so listen carefully. A person cannot get to heaven without good works. You see? I, said, I thought you said you were justified by faith alone. You are. But the kind of faith that will bring justification is the kind of faith that is going to lead a person to do good works. The good works that a person has to have if they're going to be in heaven is not a ticket that gets them into heaven. It is that which is going to always accompany a true faith in Christ. If Christ declares us not guilty, he also changes our heart. Now, folks, there's a lot of Protestants that need to learn that because they somehow believe, uh, whether they articulate it or not, that as long as the people believe a few things about Jesus and will say they believe in Jesus, they're going to heaven. That's not the biblical view. The biblical view is that there are two roads. There's a narrow road that leads to life. Okay. Narrow means you check your sins at the door. You don't just live high. It's narrow. <laughs> there's a, a wide one that leads to destruction. You know what many are telling us today? <laughs> well, there's also a wide one that leads to eternal life. You can do however you want to and stay on that road and still get to eternal life. There's not three roads. There's two. 
When a person comes to faith in Christ and he declares them not guilty, if it's the kind of faith that says they will have a desire to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we won't have it perfectly, but that desire will be there. The exclusive instrument is faith. It's not just salvation by faith. It's salvation by faith alone. Nothing added to it, whatever. Okay? Now, if in the passage we read, Romans 3, 28, notice it doesn't say by faith alone. It says by faith. But at the end of that verse, it does imply by faith alone because he says apart from the works of the law. It's got to be by faith, and it can't be by any works, so it must be completely by faith. Nothing added to it at all. Now, uh, folks, if, if we deny that, there's several things that I'm going to want to share just really quickly that's going to result. Uh, bad, bad things are going to result. But I want you to notice that how clear the Scripture is on, on this point. Okay? It is by faith alone. Romans 3.21, our righteousness is apart from the law. Our, Romans 3.22, our righteousness is through faith in Christ. Our justification, being declared righteous, is by grace, that is, a gift, that's 3.24. 3.25 says again, our justification is to be received by faith. Ro 3.26, God justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Romans 3.28, we, no, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, Paul doesn't say we're not supposed to seek to obey the laws of God. He just says that's not how you're justified. Because if you're trying to do it that way, it's never going to happen. Romans 1.17, the righteous or the just are going to live by faith. Not like Romans 4.5. Folks, it says God justifies the wicked. You know, it doesn't say he justifies those who've cleaned themselves up and become good. If that, he would have been justifying the righteous. And the righteous wouldn't need to be justified. That's why we ought to be saddened at ourselves but thrilled at God that we can go before God and say, I'm wicked. I'm one of those. <laughs> you know, I'm one of those bad ones. Because you said it was wicked people. It's evil people. It's sinful people that you justify. Lord, I, I'm one of those. <laughs> Put me in that group. Let me come to faith in Christ. That, that's the only hope that we have. We could have never... Folks, if we, if we add anything to uh, whatever, uh, to our justification, we're not being biblical. And, and not only that, folks, we, we are actually losing our assurance and our joy. Because we would then become exactly like Martin Luther. We would be willing, we say, well, how much good do I have to do to get justified? Uh, what if I don't love God enough? You know, folks, we, that's why Paul says this in, in Romans 4 4. Now the works, uh, uh, now the one who works, his wages are given as a gift. If you worked for your salvation, then your salvation would be what you earned, you'd have deserved it. The scripture's clear, we don't. But, but a gift is what you're given for not working. That's why it goes on to say, uh, justification is not something you can earn. The only thing you can earn is condemnation. But justification is a gift. It's given to us freely. 
Folks, that's why we would completely lose our assurance. Okay? Let, let me, let, Romans 8, 1. Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No con- Folks, your assurance that you're right with God is because it's grounded not in your daily routine or your daily performance, but it's already done in Christ. That's the only way we are going to have abs- an assurance. Folks, if you, see, if you try to get justification any other way, you're never going to be able to sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. <laughs> you're going to be looking at yourself trying to get on that performance treadmill and prove your worth, and we will never prove our worth because we do not have any. But fortunately for us, Jesus does have worth, and our faith is in him. And we would also surrender our peace. Paul says, since we are justified by faith, then we'll have peace with God. Folks, you're not going to have it if you're having to find out somehow it's by my works. Have I ever done enough? Can I be good enough? You'll never be at peace. You'll never have the blessed assurance. Until we understand that our justification comes in what Christ has done. And folks, as long as we're adding works to it in somehow, we're going to have and find in us some reason for boasting. Well, I got to heaven, and these people that didn't get to heaven, well, I was just better than they are. You know, uh, I got there by my good works. If you'd have done good works like I did, you'd have made it too. Well, folks, the Bible doesn't say that in heaven we're going to be glorying in what we did. We're going to be glorying in the cross of Christ. In glory, in heaven, we are going to praise Jesus for what he did. We are not going to be patting ourselves on the back because of what we did. That's because justification is by faith alone. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Boy, that's what I feel. Child of weakness, watch and pray and find in me You're all in all. And then listen about that last day. (laughs) And when we stand before the throne, or when that day, I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips will then repeat, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left its crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Another hymn writer says, Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to your cross I cling. Folks, a few years ago, Dr. Billy Graham passed away. Great, great servant of God by any standard. Uh, Shortly after he passed away, I was uh, listening to a Christian radio broadcast uh, in which it was call-in. People were calling in, and the subject was Dr. Graham. Uh, He had uh, just died about a week before. And uh, two callers in a row said almost exactly the same thing, and it was disappointing. And the person who was leading the talk show did not correct them. And I was all the more disappointed. Uh, Folks, Billy Graham uh, wrote a column in his Billy Graham column. 
that he had his organization to put on hold until he died. And it was to be his last column, and they were to publish it upon his death. Okay, both of these people that called in basically said this. Talked about how much they appreciated Billy Graham. All oh, that's great. Both of them said something along these lines. One of them almost word for word. I wish I had the credentials to get in heaven that Billy Graham had. My friend, Billy Graham would have turned over in his grave if he would have heard somebody say that. I want to ask those people, did you ever hear a word that Billy Graham ever said? How could you possibly, and in case you know what it is, don't need to know, it was in the very last words that he put in this paragraph, in his, uh, in his last um, column that he wrote. The same message that he preached his whole life, and these people are saying, well, if I had the same credentials he had, I'd feel a lot better. Billy Graham said, by the time you read this, I will be in heaven. But I will not be in heaven because I preached to crowds or because I tried to live a good life. I'll be in heaven for one reason. Many years ago, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross to make our forgiveness possible and rose from the dead to give us eternal life. That's how he's going to heaven. And my friend, if you're going, you're going the same way because there is only one way. You don't have any better credentials, or Billy Graham has no better credentials to get in heaven than you do. He got there by the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because he put his faith and trust in him, and when he did, Jesus said, not guilty. And when Billy Graham stands before God in that final judgment, He's going to hear an echo of the same judgment that he heard in life. God is going to look at his sins and he's going to say, on the basis of Jesus Christ, you are not guilty. Folks, that's good news. That's the good news that we have to tell a world that thinks that somehow by being good they're going to impress God. The message is a much greater message than a human being could have ever devised. It was devised eternally in the heart of God that justification is going to come by faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, if you're here today and you're trying any other way, let me tell you that is a dead-end street that ends in disaster. There is not only a better way, there's an only way. And that is come to the Lord Jesus Christ who is not waiting for you to clean up. He is going to declare unrighteous people righteous and then he's going to clean them up. Folks, that's the message of the gospel. That's our hope and that's what we proclaim. And we can't get that wrong. Stand with me. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word that you make that issue very clear to us. You did not deceive us about something as important, the most important thing, our salvation. Lord, that you've made it clear that our only hope is in Christ. Lord, our hearts testify ourselves, condemns ourselves that we're without hope in ourselves. 
Lord, forgive us of the times that we've tried to earn that forgiveness. Lord, that we've tried to impress you. Lord, thank you that salvation really is of the Lord and is found in Christ. And Lord, therefore, we cannot praise you enough for what you did for us in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, no wonder Paul said, I glory only in the cross of Christ. Lord, that is our hope. And your word tells us that hope is sufficient. Thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. And we make our prayer in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Edwards Road Baptist Church. We hope you are meaningfully involved in a local church. But if you aren't, we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings as we worship God and hear from his word together. You can find more information about our church by visiting our website at edwardsroad.org.